Friends, welcome, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, if you're new or visiting, you came just in time because this is our last week of this session. We're glad that you're here. Uh, every week we take an offering. It's just a way to pay for childcare, books, tech, all the things we do here. So feel no obligation to give. Uh, if you want to give, thank you. If you have like an extra hundred or something you want to drop in. No big deal. We appreciate it. Uh, but no obligation to give at all. Um, and if you didn't know, this is our last day of this session. Uh, but we will continue on in the book of John starting after Easter. This is what I call our staff team's holy prep time to women's conference. So we take time to pray to get ready to receive all the ladies that want to come, and that announcement's coming up, but before it does, uh, we have another conference coming up that I'm excited about. We have a marriage conference going on here that says, Can You Hear Me? And this is going to be put on by our Thrive Pastor, Ralph Delgado. We have some speakers from the community, but if, you are, if this is something that you think would help your marriage, I want to encourage you to sign up for it. It's going to be on March 11th. Uh, yeah. These are always just good things to do to grow in our connection with others. So if this is where you and your husband are at, I uh, invite you to check that out. You can register for that online. Uh, and like I already mentioned, women's conference coming up. Guys, this is going to be, I feel like God wants to do something new. And so we don't want you to miss it. And so some of you here are like, oh yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming, but you haven't signed up yet. We want to ask that you sign up before you leave today because it helps us with our numbers. So it helps us to know to plan for you, to buy snacks for you, to make sure there's enough coffee and creamer for you. Uh, and so we have a computer back in the room. Uh, if you haven't signed up yet, stop by there. We also take paper signups. Um, but it's going to be two days where we're asking the Lord to move in a new way. We're asking the Holy Spirit to come and unleash his power in us. And so this is something you don't want to miss. Uh, invite a girlfriend, invite a neighbor, invite someone in your family. Extend the invite. If they say no, you put the invite out there. Uh, but we don't want anyone to miss time with God and an invitation into his love and his power. We have amazing workshops prepared for you uh, from women in our community. And if you've never been to one of our conferences, we raise money for the kingdom by offering baskets, which you can buy tickets for and raffle. And we have some great prizes this year. We have a three-day stay on Monterey Beach right on the ocean. So if that's something you want to do, you can come put tickets in for that. We have perfume. We have Southwest gift cards. We have Dodger tickets. Uh, you name it, and all the money that we raise goes to the kingdom. So I uh, want to invite you to that. Sign up before you leave today. So Oh yeah, Sandra will be in the back if you need help with the computer. Not all of us are tech savvy. So if that's you, just head back there. There's no shame. Sandra will do it for you. Uh, but friends, we've come to the last lesson in this section, and this is one of my favorite passages in John. Uh, if you've ever done huddle with us in the past, we used to ask all of our huddle members to memorize this part of John because it's pivotal to who we are as Christians. It talks about some of the most important topics that Jesus uh, gave to his disciples. And basically, where we've been is this is one of Jesus's kind of last sermons to his disciple. He's told them that he's leaving. Judas is already set to betray him. And now Jesus is pouring out his last words. If you think about someone on their deathbed, they want to give the most important message right at the end, right? To leave their legacy. These are Jesus's, some of his last words where he knows that his disciples are scared. He knows that they're confused. He knows that they don't know what's going on. And they've never, since they've become followers, have ever had to live apart from him. So these words, he's telling them, this is how I want you to live when I'm gone. So these are words for life. 
Um, I have I have a little bit of an obsession uh, with Trader Joe's in general because I think it's the best store ever created. Um, personally, no, that's not biblical. That's just my own opinion. Um, but they have plants and flowers for sale. And someone who works there told me that they sell them at wholesale. And so uh, being a cheap and frugal person, I like to buy all my plants at Trader Joe's. And since I've gotten married, I've really been on a kick. I'm really just getting all the plants I can. And so one day I was prepping for this message and, <clears throat> you know, kind of need like a break when you're digesting sermons and heavy stuff. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get up and move a little bit. And I noticed that like some of my girlfriends looked a little thirsty. And I was like, oh my gosh, have I neglected my friends? And so I went to the sink, I poured up my thing of water and went and started watering them. And for those of you that are gardeners, you'll get this feeling. There is something so satisfying about watering a plant. It's just like she's parched and suddenly she's saturated. And it's such a gift to see life come back. Sometimes as soon as an hour, you can see the plant like correct themselves and grow and be filled with vivation instead of dead and saggy and dry. And I love that image because as I watered each plant, I just felt like that was God's invitation of saying, Coley, I, I always want to water you with living water. I want you to remain in my water. I don't want you to be alone. I don't want you to get dried out. If you are not in the vine, you're not going to be well watered and alive and active. And so that's our invitation today is to remain in the vine with Jesus. And we're going to learn what that looks like. So if any of you are coming in today with dry cups, feeling just tired, feeling exhausted, feeling like you don't have an ounce of patience left, like you are on your last thread, this is Jesus's message to you of how to remain in him and have life and life to the full. So we're going to dive in. John 15 says this. Jesus is talking and he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. It's beautiful. It's poetry. If you're thinking like, what should I memorize today? I'd memorize this. This is a good passage. Um, a little while ago, I was at Costco, because I like Costco too, not as much as Trader Joe's, but I'm, I'm a fan. And I was shopping, and I saw these cute little lime trees on sale. They're only $25. And I was like, oh, I'm going to need one of those. So I brought it home, got it all set up, planted it way too early, I learned. Um, but I was like, I'm going to grow limes. I'm going to be a gardener now. So I got my little lime tree, took care of it, well watered, all, did everything I could. Six months later, one little lime on the tree. And so my brother-in-law, he actually is, he comes from a farming family. He grew up taking care of uh, everything on the land. And so he's like, Coley, you need to prune that tree. 
And at the time, the, the tree had all these beautiful flowers on it. And I was like, I can't take those little buggers away. Spend a lot of time producing those. And he's like, you're never, ever going to grow limes unless you prune it. Because right now, all the water is just going to the flowers, and there's way too many flowers for you to grow lime. And I was like, oh, man, but it looks so pretty. I like put so much work into this. And he's like, do you want me to prune it for you? And I was like, ah, sure, you can do it. So he went and he pruned all the flower buds. And then, you know, in my head, it wasn't as pretty, the tree, this tree that I'd put a lot of energy into and $25. Um, but then a few weeks later, sure enough, lo and behold, I go out to water it one day, and there is almost a lime on every branch because he had pruned all the areas that there couldn't be life because there was too many flowers. Nothing could grow there. And the flowers weren't bad. They were just consuming space that the lime needed to actually bud. This is what Jesus is talking about when he says, I'm going to prune you. There are a lot of good things in your life. There are a lot of things that God approves of, some things that he doesn't, but a lot of good things that God says it's not about, I don't want to take good away from you. I want to make space for the best. I want to move and create space in your heart, in your mind, in your life, in your time that I can bear fruit through you, not just pretty little flowers that will fade. I want to bear lasting fruit in you. And so I wonder today, what would it look like for you to let God in? What would he start to prune away? Maybe your schedule's way too busy. Maybe you're trying to do everything for everybody. Maybe it's your thought life. Maybe you're constantly thinking of the next thing to do, and God, God just wants you to sit still and be in his presence. You see, the Lord loves us, and that's why he prunes us. He wants us to make space for what he wants to do in us. Where might God be inviting you to let him prune you? You see, this is the seventh I am statement about Jesus, and this is his last one as he tells him. He says, I am the vine. And if you caught this, if you were counting, I'm sure some of you mathematicians were, the word abide is used nine times in this short little passage. Abide, 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 abide. This is Jesus' final party messages to his disciple, and when he speaks in repetition, he's saying, take note. So nine times he says abide. And I looked up the definition of abide, and one of them that I like said, to be at home home in, to be at home in, to make your home with. When Steph and I got married, Steph had just moved back from grad school in Chicago and gotten his own place, and so I had to refurnish all of it. And meanwhile, my dear friend moved back to Michigan, and she took every piece of furniture. She owned them all. She had all the furniture in the house. I had one bed that a sweet woman had donated to me, but she moved out and took all the furniture, so I had to furnish my whole place. And so when Steph and I got married, it was like, oh no, we have double everything. And Steph, being the lucky man he is, was moving in to my place. And so it just so happened that most of my furniture fit my house. And so as we were trying to figure out, okay, what, you know, what pan do we keep? What couch do we keep? It ended up being that a lot of my stuff stayed because it fit in the house. But Steph and I had to make that decision together to make a home together. What do you bring in of yours? What do you bring in of mine? And this is what God is inviting us to do with him. He says, I want you to come and I want you to make your home in me. And we're going to need to get rid of some of the things that you've been carrying, some of the things that don't fit in my house, some of the selfish attitudes that you've had, some of the, the addictions of your past, some of the bad habits, maybe the, some of the gossip, some of the judgment, some of the envy. But I want you to make your home in me. So we're going to sift through what needs to go so that you and I can be one, so that you can abide in me. God is inviting you to make your home in him, to be one with him. 
And when you think about a plant, you think about the roots, right? You can't get fruit on the vine until the roots are established and the roots suck up all the nutrients that goes through the fruit. And so God is saying, I want you to dig your roots into my love. Whatever you dig your roots into is going to be what comes up in your life, right? For those of us who grow up in angry families, if, our, if we're rooted in anger, what tends to happen in our life is what comes out of us is anger because we're taught to be angry, to intimidate, to fight, to have conflict. That's, that's what we learned in our roots, so that's what comes out of our lives. And for those of us who are maybe growing up in families that are rooted in anxiety, we try to control and we try to stay on top of things because everything's anxious. So what comes out of us is anxious and trying to figure it all out and we don't, we don't know the way, but we don't want to be wrong. Whatever you plant your roots into is what's going to come up and going to be your life, right? And Jesus says, I want you to put your roots in my love. I want my love to be what's moving through you. I want my love to be what's bearing fruit in you. Now, some of you might be wondering, What's he talking about uh, with this bearing fruit thing? What is fruit? Uh, there's a few things the Bible talks about for fruit. Romans 1.13 says, uh, fruit is winning lost souls. Romans 6.23 defines fruit as holiness. Romans 15.28 describes fruit as financial giving and generosity. Colossians 1 describes fruit as being helping practically. Hebrews 13 tells us that the fruit of our lips means giving praise to God. And then the fruit of the Spirit, as you know, in Galatians 5.22, talks about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, forbearance, self-control. These are the kind of fruits that God wants to birth in you. And the problem is, is when we don't abide in Jesus, when we don't have our roots deep down in his love, what starts happening is you and I start striving for fruit in other ways. Has anyone ever made a fruit on their own? you know, whipped up a little apple, created a little orange. Here's the thing, we cannot make fruit on our own, and yet so often in life, you and I get the idea that it's up to us to make the fruit, right? If we don't feel loved, we, go, we start chasing after love. If I just looked better, if people liked me more, if I was more successful, I, I can make this fruit happen. And God's saying, no, 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 no. Fruit comes through me. I bear through, through you. You can't create it on your own, but if you're not rooted in me, if you're not abiding in me, if you're not one with me, that fruit is not gonna come out. It's like the limes. There might be pretty little flowers, but that fruit that you're hoping for, that deep love, that sense of peace that surpasses all understanding, that kindness, that goodness, you and I cannot manufacture that on our own by our good behavior. Jesus says you have to be connected to me. You have to be in union with the source. And so I wonder today, what does it look like for us to be planted in God's love? There's a few things that we can do to remain in God's love, to make our home in God's love. And one of them is the reading of God's word. It's knowing what God says about us. It's knowing the truth of who he is. When we remain in God's word, when we abide in the word, God abides in us. Another way we remain in God is through prayer. Constant communication with the Lord. God, this is how I'm feeling today. This is what I need. What do you think about this? How am I doing on this? What should I do with this situation? Prayer is constant communication with the Lord that keeps us in line with God's will and not our will. Fellowship is another great example of what it looks like to abide, being in fellowship with other believers. I listened to a TED Talk once that said, we become like the five people we spend the most time with. 
who are you spending time with? Are they the kind of people that you want to become? Are they encouraging you in your faith? Are they helping you to be rooted and established in the love of Jesus? Who we fellowship with, ladies, it matters. It starts to affect us. It starts to change the way we view ourselves and others, remaining in Christian fellowship. You see, we always have the choice to get closer to God. God's always there. He's always available to us. He's always saying, come to me. And you and I have a choice to move towards him or to move away, to try to find our own fruit or to bear with him and let him bear fruit in us. If you think about a tree, there's a trunk and then there's the branches. He's saying you're the branches. What do the branches do? Not much. They're literally hanging in there. Right? They're not striving. They're not moving. They're not, they're not doing anything on their own. They're just hanging in there. And that's what some of us need to do with Jesus. We need to hang in there. When things get tough, when things are uncomfortable, when it seems like it'd be so much easier to run and just fix your problems by yourself, the Lord says, hang in there. Stay connected to me. Don't lose the love that I want to pour through you. Did any of you ever do those science projects growing up where you like put dye in the water and then you put the plants in the water and then you see the dye, it moves all the way up through the roots and then all of a sudden if you have blue water, the plants come out a little blue? Oh, just me, okay. <laughs> they did that in Wisconsin. So this is how our osmosis. Um, but the, the roots, they suck up the water and then it affects the plant. It changes how it is. God's saying, I want you to soak in my love. I want you to remain in my love. I want you to put your feet, your life, your heart, I want you to soak it in my love because whatever you soak up in me, it's gonna come out through you. And if you're, if you're sucking off a different source, if you're putting your, your hope in wealth, if you're putting your hope in popularity, if you're putting your hope in yourself that you can figure it all out, it's gonna translate to the branches. It's gonna translate to what comes out. And God is offering us this chance to soak in his love. Have you been soaking in his love? That's the invitation for us today. And then the last, that last verse, I just love it. It says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The proportion that we trust and abide in God is the proportion that we feel joy. So if some of you are feeling like, man, I don't have any joy in my life, the world will tell you, go chase anything that makes you happy, but that doesn't actually bring joy. Jesus says, when you abide in me, when you follow me, when you live in my word, the closer you are to me, the more joy you will feel. And it will not make sense always. It will not be logical because God is not always logical. God is powerful and transformational and bigger than we can understand. When we abide, our joy grows proportionately. All right, let's continue on. In John 15, verse 12, it says this, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, he may give it to you. These things I command to you so that you will love one another. Our first point, which I didn't articulate very well for you, is that we need to abide in Jesus. We need to abide in him. And the second point is this. We are called to love others. We're called to love others. 
And if you've been around the church for more than five minutes, you know this. Love your neighbor as yourself. We hear this all the time. But what Jesus is saying is he's saying, I'm not asking you to do this in your own strength. I'm not asking you to do this and be fake polite and be kind and pretend to like people. He's saying, I'm doing this as this is going to be what bears fruit in you. This is going to be how people know me. And Jesus never commands us to feel anything. Do you notice that? I command you to feel love for your neighbor. Mm -mm. I command you to love your neighbor. This is not a feeling, friends. We're not waiting for the, the butterflies to come, for the gentleness to wash over us when somebody just hurt you or wronged you, that you feel loving towards them. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, I want you to make a choice. I want you to choose love when it's hard. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you are rooted in me and what's flowing through you is my love. When somebody insults you, when somebody does something against you, when you're annoyed, when you're at the end of your rope, if you're not rooted in my love, if you're not receiving my love, what's going to come out of you is you. Anger is going to come out. Frustration, annoyance. You, I mean, I think some of us know this. <laughs> we got some stuff in us that if it comes out, it can hurt other people. And Jesus is saying, if you're not rooted in me, what's going to come out is you. And that's not going to be helpful for anybody. Jesus says, when you abide in me, I give you all the love you could ever need. It's an endless ocean. It's unconditional Jesus' love. So when we figure out how to remain in him through his word, through prayer, through trust, that love is what's cycling through our veins. It's what's fueling us and feeding us so that when our neighbor is hard to love, it's not you and I gritting our teeth and trying to make this fruit. Oh, I, just, oh, I need to be loving today. I need to feel it. Some of us do that. That's not what it is. It's saying, Jesus... I don't know how to do this, but you have loved me and I'm broken. Would that love transfer through me to my neighbor? Would you help me to love my spouse today? Would you help me to love my kids today? Would you help me to love my coworkers today? Would you help me to love my friends who I'm at odds with today? Would your love pour through me out unto them? This is why it matters, guys, what we abide in, where we put our roots, because if we don't have them in the love of Jesus, something else will happen, right? It's not going to be love throwing through us. It's going to be something else. So I wonder for you, what does it look like to live, for you to live in a love connection with Jesus? To go back to your first love, to remember what it's like when you first encountered Jesus, that moment where you realized all of your sins were forgiven, that God picked you and that he chose you. That's the love that Jesus invites us to enter with him every single day. Remember that I picked you. Did any of you guys ever have to pick teams growing up, like in Fayette or, okay, just me? It was bad. So they would, in the gym class, they'd line everybody up, they'd choose two captains, and then if you weren't athletic, it was like you were the bottom of the barrel, and they'd one by one, they'd pick, and then the longer the choosing went on, the more like kind of self-conscious you got, and you'd start by trying to make eyes at your friends, like me, choose me, like I can kick that ball, and then when they will look at you, then you kind of like look down and be a little embarrassed, and then it was, it's a vulnerable thing, right, and if you've never, maybe you're athletic and you were the first one chosen or the captain, so you can't relate to this, but if you've ever been to like a school dance or a place where the guys are on one side the girls are on the other and it's like oh my gosh is he gonna ask me is he is he looking at me oh he's looking at my friend oh my gosh it's nerve-wracking right there's a vulnerability when we want to be chosen and we don't know if we will be and so Jesus clears the air right there he says I have chosen you whether you feel qualified 
whether you feel athletic, whether you feel like the prettiest girl in the room, doesn't matter what you feel. I have chosen you. I have called you by name. I know exactly who you are and I know exactly the plans and purposes that I have for you. I've chosen you to bear much fruit. You've been picked. You are on God's team. And when you're on God's team, God gives every resources to his team to be fully loved. He says, I'm not sending you out with nothing. He said, I got love that will never end that I'm going to give to you. So you just stay close to me. You stick with me. You get your identity from me. And it's going to be a lot easier to go through life and love people and preach the truth and care for others and be compassionate because I've already picked you and I've given you everything you need for this assignment. Do you know that you're chosen? Do you know that your name, your picture's on God's refrigerator? <laughs> you know that? Think of the best photo of yourself or the worst one. It's up there. <laughs> one time, Steph and I, we had a little Polaroid camera, and I was trying to figure out how to use it, and I took a shot. And the worst, Im- you know, like you got your bad angles. We think we all have those. And this twin chin came up of me, and I was like, well, it was a really bad photo. And Steph always hangs it on the fridge, and he's like, no matter what you think you look like, I always think you're beautiful. But that's what God does to us, right? When we think that we're at our worst, when we think that we don't deserve to be on the fridge, that we didn't behave in the way that we wanted to, we didn't win the prize, we didn't impress anybody, God says, no, 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 I got your picture right on my fridge. You are valuable to me. You are loved. You are so, so worthy of my love. You are chosen. Do you know that you're chosen? That's my first question today. And the second one is God's greatest command over our lives is to love one another. And this is what Jesus says. He says, this is how they will know you're my disciples. Not if you're doing all the right things, not if you're checking off the list. Now remember the Pharisees knew the law forward and back and they followed every single thing. And some of us might have grown up in churches or in practices where it was, hey, you gotta check off every box on the list and then you're good with the big guy, right? You go to Sunday school, you join the choir, you go to Bible study, you say three prayers a day. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He says, they're not gonna know you're my disciples by all the good things you do and all the lists you check. That's not what he's looking for. He says, they're gonna know you're my disciples if when life hits, I come out of you. If my love pours through you. When things are hard, when you respond with grace. When people are unruly, you respond with compassion and tenderness and kindness. And this can only come from the Lord. It cannot come from us, ladies. So don't try to muscle it up this week. You invite God to fill you with his love so that that is what comes out of you. We are called to love one another. Last little section in our thing today says this, John 15, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates the Father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my Father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, who I will send to you in the name of the Father, 
the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. First thing we need to do is abide in Jesus. Second thing we need to do is love others. And the third thing Jesus calls us to do is remember. Remember his life. Remember our perfect savior who did nothing wrong, was hated by the world. So he's trying to prep his disciples for what they're about to go into, right? A cruel world that does not know them. And Jesus does not want them to abandon ship. He does not want them to get out of the vine because the world doesn't like them. So he tells them, he says, if the world hated me, they're gonna hate you also. Why? Because Jesus came as a light into the world, into darkness, and the deeds of men were exposed. And if we're honest, none of us like to be exposed. None of us want the things that we've done wrong to come to light. And Jesus came as a light to bring healing, to bring restoration, to bring redemption. And men did not like it. Some men did not want it, even to the point that they were willing to kill him rather than be exposed. And so Jesus is prepping his disciples. He said, it's gonna be hard. Remember what I've been through. Remember that the world hated me first. But this is a good test. If the world loves you, I wonder if you're truly doing what I've asked you to do. If everybody's applauding you, if everyone's in favor of you, are you actually standing on the truth that I gave you? Are you actually living for me? Are you going into places that are dark and bringing light and bringing healing and bringing repentance and bringing revival? God says, when you follow me, you will be persecuted. But he says, take hope, take hope. I will send my helper to you. Remember that I'm not gonna leave you alone. Remember that I'm gonna send the spirit of truth into you. Now, if you'll remember at this time, there's some scared disciples. You have Peter who's about to deny Jesus three times to a little servant girl. He's so scared that he can't even speak the truth to somebody much younger in a lower position than him. You have, um, what's his face, the betrayer? You know, we're not even gonna name him. He's gone, <laughs> doing his little thing. And they're all scattered, they're all afraid, right? And Jesus tells them, he says, you wait on me, wait on me, I will send you the Holy Spirit. So you have all these scared men who just lost their hero, their, their rabbi, their Lord, their teacher, and they don't know what to do and they're scared and Jesus is telling them this now, he says, remember, remember, I'm gonna send you help. You wait till that help comes, you don't do anything without it. And so they listened, they remembered and they waited and that's when we see the Holy Spirit come upon the house in the book of Acts, when the Spirit comes, and suddenly these 11 scared boys who didn't want to tell anyone, they locked themselves in a room, suddenly the Holy Spirit comes into them, and they go out, and what they do changes the world. They preach the gospel to the nations. Only 11 of them, the 11 disciples that Jesus chose, that he did life with, that learned how to abide in him, to trust him, to wait on him. They waited on the gift of the Holy Spirit that's promised here. And they went out and the gospel went forth to all nations and that's why you and I are here today. And that's the promise, that's the invitation that God gives to us. He says, I want to give you my Holy Spirit so that you will bear much fruit, so that you will go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You and I are called to bear fruit and to go forth. And we cannot do that without abiding in the love of God. So what I want to do to close today, we're going to pray for women's conference at the end. But first, I just want us to spend some time just soaking in the love of God. If you've never done that before, I'm going to lead us into a prayer. But I want you just to invite Jesus. Jesus, 
Would you saturate me with your love? Would you fill even the rooms in my heart that I've closed, that I've locked off to you, would you even invade those spaces with unending and unimaginable love, Father? So Jesus, right now, God, for every woman that's in here, God, every woman comes in here with scars, wounds, a past, shame, guilt, regrets, fears, doubts, anxieties. God, we all carry that in us. And Lord, yet you promise us that your perfect love casts out fear, God, that your love can conquer anything, God. It conquered the grave. You rose again, God, for us. And so right now, I just pray your love over each woman that's here, Lord. Would she soak in it, God? Would she saturate in it? That vision of those roots, the hungry, thirsty roots just drinking in that fresh water. God, will we drink in your love today, God? You say, remain in my love, abide in my love. Father, would you fill us afresh with your love, especially in the parts of our life right now that are hard, that are draining, the relationships that are challenging, the health situations, Father, the unknown of other relationships, other people that we love, the conflicts in the community, Father, the stress of life in L.A. Lord, you know it all. And yet, you call us to abide in your love first, Father. And we do desire to be women, God, that saturate in your love, that abide in you, Father, that walk with you, so, Father, right now I pray just an overflowing, overwhelming amount of your love through the power of the Holy Spirit in each woman that's here, Father. Would you fill her cup to the brim? And, Lord, you have called us to love others. God, not based on a feeling, but based on your truth. So I pray that each, right now, God, you'd reveal to each woman, who are you calling her to love today? Maybe it's an old friend. Maybe it's a family member with a long history. Maybe it's herself. Maybe she's struggling with unforgiveness. Lord, would she be able to forgive herself? Maybe it's kids. Maybe it's an ex. Maybe it's a friend. Lord, would you help us with the power of your love in us to step forward in faith and trust and love the person that is hard to love today, Father? God, that is the fruit that tells the world that you're real that it's not us, but it's you living in us, Father. Would our love pour forth unto a broken and hurting world, God, this week, this month, this year? Would you move us to people that need your love, Father, and would you move your love through us into them? And Father, lastly, we just pray, would you recall to mind, God, would you help us to remember that we are called to go forth in the power of your Holy Spirit? God, you sent your disciples into all the world to bring your truth and to bring your love. And God, we are your disciples. We're your children, Father. And so we ask, would you send us? Would you give us your power? God, would you give us the spirit of truth to know what to do and where to go? But God, we want to go. We want to be faithful to you, God. We want to serve you. And so, Lord, as we... As we take these next three weeks, God, to prepare for conference, I pray that you'd prepare each of our hearts and our minds and our souls, Lord, for what you want to do in and through us, Lord. We pray a blessing over women's conference, Lord. We know that wherever your Holy Spirit is invited, you come, Lord. And so we say, come, Holy Spirit. Come into this place, Lord. We have 
<clears throat> given you this whole weekend, God, this whole campus on the 24th and the 25th to have your way in us, God, and we need your power. We need your touch. We cannot live this life without you, Father. And so I pray for women, God, that have not yet signed up. I pray for the women right now that are on our hearts and minds who need an invite, Lord, who are stressed, who are isolated, who are doing life alone and need to be invited into the fold of community, God. Would we be so bold to be the woman that introduces them to the true vine, that introduces them to true love, that allows them to experience you, God, in a way that you transform worlds, God, who in our life needs to be changed by your love, needs to feel your love. Lord, would we be bold in invitations? Would we be bold in our expectation of what you can do on a simple two-day conference, Lord? Father, we trust that you are all-powerful and that you want to move through our women, God. And so right now, Father, we just pray that the Holy Spirit would be unleashed even now in each one of us, Lord, that you'd prepare our hearts and our minds, God, and our lives for all that you want to do through us, Father. You want to unleash your love into the world, and we want to be those agents that do it, Father. So I bless each woman that's here, Father. Would you seal her completely in the perfect love of Christ? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.